Radio Network. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside Studio 34. This is Doc Jock alongside Dr. Mitch Roslin. I am Greg Sussman. Doc, what's going on? Everything is good. How are you? I'm here. I'm here, which is a good thing. Got out of jury duty. Out of jury duty. Free for the next six years, Doc. What did you tell him? That you knew a lot of doctors and, and it was it was like all malpractice cases? No, I did not. I told Your them. father was in the insurance business? I told them. I was like, listen, I'm producing. I got to host a show all week long. I'm producing shows all week long. I got to go. And they're like, all right. Went back to the pool. And they're like, all right, you're out. Beautiful. There you go. And you're, I didn't lie. I, I stuck by my oath. We're all good. See, usually, like, if you can think, sometimes they don't want you on juries. You know, whether you're analytical. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you're absolutely right. Speaking of analytical, over the next hour, we're going to break down everything from NFL free agency to Bryce Harper's decision to what's going on in college basketball as well. But I want to start in the NFL where Antonio Brown played it really well, Doc, didn't he? Well, you know, he, he, he got what he wanted. He sure he did. Got, and, and, well, you know what I criticize Antonio Brown for is you got to be there on week 16. 17. You, week 17, you know, I meant the 16th game yep, for, yep, the, yep, for, the, yep. for the Steelers. Um, I think that, you, you know, the NFL has to sit back and look at what, what they want with these transition tags and these franchise tags because I think that you and I both see the Le'Veon Bell situation where he's – a lot of flack and you know what I, I give him credit he didn't sign a contract that he didn't like he preferred to take the risk to have more guaranteed money than just the one-year payout and you're seeing more and more of that in a whole bunch of different sports you look at Bryce Harper we talked about Bryce Harper should have taken a lot of money on a short-term deal that a lot sure. of teams would have but he wanted the guarantee for a long time so it seems it seems unjust, for example, that yes. the top football players that are looking for security have no way of getting that security. But I think the, the Antonio Brown situation is just crazy, and it, it goes to that we really don't want to criticize Mike Tomlin because he won a Super Bowl, because the Steelers are there. But to be honest, they have probably been, for the level of talent that they've had, the least productive franchise potentially in the NFL. When you actually look at you know, having the Hall of Fame quarterback, arguably one of the best running backs, mm-hmm. a terrific offensive line, it, most years a, an acceptable defense, and they have absolutely nothing to show for it. On paper, they've been a better team than the Patriots for a number of years. Yes and no. They've had the stars for a number of years, as you said. The, the two most underperforming teams in the NFL for the last five years, I think, have been the Green Bay Packers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't disagree with that. But I wouldn't say that. I, w- I don't want to go to lengths that they are better than the Patriots. I, I can't say that over the last Well, time. they're not better than the Patriots. So, I've got, by, by definition, I said talent-wise. Maybe, okay? maybe not. Talent-wise. Talent-wise. I mean, you know, 
you started with free agency. Yeah. The Patriots will be playing their third left tackle. In three years. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know it's, I may want to take some steroids and try out. You know, it seems sure. like a $70 million proposition. It's amazing. Nate Solder. Brown, they picked up for basically an exchange of draft picks from San Francisco for basically nothing. He is now the highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL, um, which says a lot about their offensive line coach. It says a lot about their system, how they can play. I mean, if, if you look at the start and going off topic with Antonio Brown, in the start of free agency, they've lost their best pass rusher, arguably one of their best linemen, you know, and we're a second in and no one's bat- batted an eyelash. If that happened to any other team, it would seem like it's an overall catastrophe. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what makes the, pa- that makes the Patriots uh, in general so good. But going back to, to Antonio Brown, that's been a circus. You know, Ben Roethlisberger being on the air doing what you and I are doing, I guess they, they figure if a, a you know, quarterback is probably more apropos than a doctor, but, you know, talking about what's in the locker room, and I'm not talking about doing the Eli Manning report on WFAN where everything is, is positive. I mean, he's thrown people underneath the bus. Tomlin seems like he doesn't have any control of the circus. Antonio Brown, you know, I I would have been more scared of his off-the-field stuff, like the apartment in Miami where things were thrown out, all of these other things that, that have come into play. But one thing on the football field, he's been absolutely brilliant, and, you know, he, he got his guaranteed money. So, you know, job well done. But now you look at Oakland who went out and signed the offensive tackle from New England for $16 million. I don't know what the cap hit is. Um, they're already paying Derek Carr, I believe, in the $20 million range. And they have Antonio Brown as the highest-paid wide receiver in football. So I guess that has to be about you know, roughly 30 to 40% of their salary cap right there. Yeah, I mean... I have no idea what the Raiders are doing. I, not a clue in the world. I just go back to Antonio Brown holding out, doing the, doing the wrong thing, in all honesty, in Week 17, being so frustrated and disgusting. And I usually think the players sign in this, like they deserve to get paid, I understand that. Um, and the owners will cut them the second they're not productive. So I understand trying to get the most money out. I, I, I do. But quitting on your team, not a great look. And then they, he meets with the owner, he meets with the Roonies, and said, hey, I want to be traded. Fine. But then it's just like, all right, well, you're going to trade it to Buffalo. No, I'm not going to get traded to Buffalo because I want a new contract, and I'm not going to show up if I don't get my new contract. And as you have said, well, you signed it. You signed the contract. I'm a, I want more money now. And then the Raiders, giving up just a third and a fifth for arguably the best receiver in the league, blow up their cap, as you just mentioned, for Antonio Brown, who is an aging wide receiver, the best wide receiver, but an aging wide receiver. And... All this is going to make you think is like, all right, the next wide receivers are going to do the same thing. And the next great running backs are going to do the same thing. And the next quarterbacks are going to do the same thing. Well, we're at, we're at a dangerous, you know, there are certain things that are very dangerous in, in, in sports. People have talked about the risk of concussions. Obviously, that's a threat to football. But one of the major things, you know, the word fan means fanatic. Yes, sir. And it, it, it's, we root for the shirt. And why do we root for the shirt? Because there's a certain mystique, there's a certain thing that happens to us. But when people like Jacob deGrom start saying, 
you know, I'm a car, okay? You leased me for 12,000 miles, okay? And in September, I'm not going to pitch more because I don't want to go to 12,500 miles because you've only, re you've only paid me for reasonable wear and tear. And I perfectly understand the NCAA players not exposing themselves to bowl game, like, you know, two things. And we talked about Zion Williams, where I said, well, you know, he has to play basketball. He's better off playing at supervisor. He's not going to get better. Right. Because, and, I, and I sympathize with them because other people are making a lot of money. But when they start taking off games, when the DeGroms say, we're only going to pitch this much unless you give me a contract, when Antonio, I have, Antonio Brown doesn't play in the last game of the season with his team. I find that much more angering than when Le'Veon Bell says, you know what, I'm not satisfied, I'm not playing. And you know what's incredible? I think you and I are the only ones who are saying that. Everybody else is, you know, says, oh, he's a bad guy. You know, he, he blew $14 million. He's selfish. I think he decided he'd rather have a guarantee. I think he made a business decision. And, and, and you know what, he didn't quit on his team. He felt he didn't get the offer that he deserved. Sure. I think he manned up, I'd and he took the consequences. So I'd rather that than Antonio Brown. I'm totally with you. He, he took a stand. Ultimately, he took a stand. And he may cost himself. We'll find out in the next couple of days if he cost himself. But he took a stand, and it hurt him in his pocket. Antonio Brown did not do that. Right. And, and, and you know, he, he, he basically said, I don't want to take the risk of being that guy who's out on the market, um, what's the, the linebacker who just signed with Tampa Bay, the, the Tampa Bay you know, signed to Torres ACL, is leading the league, Quan, Quan Alexander. Quan Alexander. I don't want to be Quan Alexander as a running back. Quan Alexander's made a lot of money himself. He did. You know, it worked out for him, but he said, I don't want to be Quan Alexander as a running back. I don't want to take the chance of not having the guaranteed money and playing for the franchise tag. I don't know if that's that terrible of a decision. You know, it's interesting. It ultimately, you, do you bank on yourself? Do you trust yourself? Well, we always forget that this is life-changing money in general. Like that $15 million on that tag or so, that's life-changing money in general, potentially. But if he was your kid, what would you tell him to do? Do I tell him to sit out or take the $15 million? He's using 15 as a round number, okay, obviously. You, 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 let's say you're, you're year four in the league. Say he's had two other concussions, per se. Yep. Okay? Has, has certain nicks and nacks. Says, I want a guaranteed contract, okay? And they franchise him and don't offer him a guaranteed contract. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like you're getting... I, I think that they should move the franchise tag to three years. I think that, you know, I think you're essentially, lack of a better word, screwing some of your top performers. If they perform slightly less, they would get more guaranteed. Yes, they're being paid at the top of their field, but they're not getting the job security that a lot of people are looking for. Yes. Uh -oh. And everyone goes to Kirk Cousins, but let's face it, yeah, quarterbacks, exactly are, yeah. uh, quarterbacks are protected. Sure. I mean, quarterbacks are protected. Well, they are and they aren't, right? Like, you have a devastating knee injury like Alex Smith just did, you're screwed. Right, but we, we even talked about most quarterbacks. The NFL was, with the exception of a few, 
they were fairly successful in getting, you know, obviously you're going to have Knicks and Knicks, but they were fairly successful at getting Patrick Mahomes to the finish line, Jared Goff to the finish line, Tom Brady to the finish line, Aaron Rodgers didn't make the playoffs, you know, Carson Wentz gets hurt every single year, but by and large, most teams finish the year with their starting quarterback, with obviously the biggest one that was gone for the, the entire year was Jimmy Garoppolo. That was really, sure. you know, that really took the rug out from underneath the 49ers. Yeah, that, that, that crushed them, obviously, the 49ers and the quarterback injury, no doubt about it. I think to That was back, really the— I mean, sure. Alex Smith was the worst injury, yes. but that was the team— the only team that could say that their season was destroyed by losing their starting quarterback this year, in my estimation, was the San Francisco 49ers. Yep. I believe you're right. Yep. Just going through my head here. I think so. No, nobody was affected like that, obviously. Now, can, can the I... Eagles, s- the Eagles are interesting. They, I mean, they lost their quarterback, too. But they lost their quarterback. Speaking of their quarterback, I have breaking news while I'm looking down, Doug. Nick Foles. Uh-huh. How much do you think he got from Jacksonville? And I don't have the guarantee here. I only have the number. $18 million a year. <clears throat> How much do you think? You think $18 million is guaranteed, you're saying? $18 million a year, three years. So $64 million. How much of that is guaranteed, do you, do you think? I think guaranteed he got $40 million guaranteed. Very close. He signed for four years, $88 million. All right, wow. The guarantee, $50. $50 million for Nick Foles. <laughs> well, you know, he won a Super Bowl. <laughs> he won a Super Bowl. Yes. He he played well last year, and they made a commitment to him. I mean, I it 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 it, it may make like what I was going to say, you know. While on the subject of quarterbacks, I'm going to speak for every single Giant fan. Okay. The Giants have not won a game in September that I can remember in the last three years. They won in September this year. Beat the their own three and beat the Texans in the last okay. week of September. And then then they then they you know went two, yeah. they, then they went yeah, one they and stick. seven. Okay, uh, uh, essentially, the Giants have proven that Eli Manning is not good enough to overcome a mediocre roster. Clearly, okay. Giant fans have watched Deshaun Watson's. Mm-hmm. They've watched Randall Cunningham's. They have watched every single quarterback. I don't think anybody can remember a giant quarterback running for a first down yeah. in in a hundred in a hundred years. Now, I do think that the most important thing is how they throw and deliver the ball with some degree of escapability. It is really, really frustrating when you listen to Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer speak, mm-hmm. and they talk about a succession plan and things like that. Succession means that they have a starting quarterback. The New York Giants are paying their largest cap figure to somebody who's not good enough at this point of his career and potentially wasn't at other points in his career but picked was an incredible big game player, okay? To give a significant amount of their salary cap. Mm -hmm. In the immortal words of people who have been general managers before, Mm -hmm. I think the Giants could be 6-10, and pay less than $20 million 
at the quarterback position. I don't know what they're thinking. I have to agree with, you know, I usually don't, but I have to agree with Mike Francesa on this one. The Giants are making a huge mistake if they draft the quarterback and bring Eli back. It's like throwing out, you know, the season. Find somebody cheap. Go out and get a Josh Rosen and move on from Eli. You know what the Giants are going to do right now? Is they are going to burn the Beckham and Barkley years and not have a defense. And by the time they get a defense and a quarterback, those guys are going to be toast. Mm -hmm. And that's the worst thing to possibly happen. Yes, absolutely. It's a disaster. It's an utter disaster. You're not telling me anything I already know with this stupid team. I mean, you know, so take, you know, if you really believe, and against all odds, and and I had to tell you, the problem with bringing Eli back is if the Giants, the most important game of the season is the first game the Giants play. If the Giants go 0-1, that's like 0-4 for everybody else after the last two years. Okay? With Eli back. And if they go 0-2, you can just about write off another season. And, you know, again, they probably have to write off the season because they, they possibly have the worst defensive line in football. You can't even name a player on their team um, on their defensive line at this point in time. You know, Vernon was absolutely awful, but he still had far more sacks than anybody else on their team last year. So, you know, where are they going to get a pass rush for him? They let Landon Collins walk, which I don't necessarily disagree with. I know Washington signed him. He made a ton of money as well. And it's interesting, but, you know, I always looked at Landon Collins as being very valuable, but he's not a safety. He's not, well, he's not a safety in the traditional line, you know, traditional type. He's more of a hybrid linebacker. Correct. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 you know, again, if you're going to pay him that much money, you must have an idea of how to use him because he can't cover, you know, a Jewish kid from Brooklyn. You know, he really is terrible in coverage, but he is a great tackler and. I always thought he was a good blitzer, although they said, you know, his stats said that he had no sacks last year, but he seemed to have a lot of pressures and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So the thing with Landon Collins isn't so much that the Giants decided to let him walk. That's okay. If he doesn't fit your scheme and you don't have any interest in paying him the $80 million, okay. Well, they could have just franchised him and. Sure, but you could have done that. And he could have sat out like Le'Veon Bell and been a distraction. I don't even kill them for that, Doc. What bothers me about the Giants and how they handed Landon Collins, if they weren't going to extend him and they knew this and he didn't fit... Take the fourth-round draft pick. Take the fourth-round draft pick. Take the fourth-round draft pick. Exactly. Well, you know, again, the Giants were the only people that believed that they were going to come back last year and make the playoffs. You know, they, and, and, which, is, and, which is insane. And, 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 and it was absolutely insane to trade Eli Apple, of all, of all people. I mean, you know, who's still on his rookie contract. And, you know, the people that they chose to get rid of it's kind of unusual. And we haven't heard the Giants in free agency yet. Nope. Which tells me that they're going to basically sign like eight minor people. You there's, know that, there's a lot of, listen, there's a lot of guys out there still. We're, you're hearing some names come off the board early. We're going to get to that in a moment. But Giants, there's plenty of talent still out there, I'd say. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that they're, they're looking at, at basically a smorgasbord of a lot of, you know, 
what they think of diamonds in the rough. And, you know, so far, Gettleman's diamonds in the rough have been very rough. No doubt about it. Um, no doubt about it. And He's been a good drafter, which is interesting. All right, we'll see. His dra- I have so little faith in Dave Gettleman. I, well, I agree with you. I think it's, a, it, it, it's like everybody else has got, you know, major analytics going on, and, you know, he's still watching... He's still watching tapes, and I don't even know what he's watching. Well, it's, in, it's VCR is what he's doing. He's putting it in the VCR. It doesn't, it doesn't work, so he's not watching anything. That's, that's kind of the problem. Well, you're mentioning all these deals. Nick Foles, Antonio Brown. That was a trade. But uh, Trey Flowers, uh, some offensive linemen, uh, Landon Collins. All these names have been announced that they're headed to different teams in free agency. Here's the problem, Doc. Free agency hasn't started yet. It starts Wednesday at 4 o'clock. And this is what's called the legal tampering period where you can talk to players and come to contract terms but not sign on the dotted line. The obvious question I have for you is, what's the point of it? No idea. I'm very confused by it. Well, you know what I also was very confused about is that I always thought dead money was the money that you still owed a player when you cut them. Right. Okay? This is also dead money when you trade them as well, I guess. Okay, and that becomes your dead money. So how does Antonio Brown have $21 million of dead money and not have any guaranteed money? I don't know. I don't know. It must have been in his signing bonus. But a bonus? It, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, that never, they must have taken his signing bonus and amortized that over the course of the contract, and, and then it becomes dead money if he doesn't fit. I, I, I can't understand. That didn't make sense to me. Because I always thought the dead money was the guaranteed money left. I don't know. I, I don't know. But, you know, you know, again... I don't know how it works. I wish I did. I mean, it, it, to me, I found that very, very strange. But it, it's like, you know, they've, what the NFL has done is they've, they've created these three days to kind of be like a, another mini draft. To, sure. To, so that so we're I, not talking, you know, we're not talking about the NCAA. We're not talking about LeBron James. We're talking about the NFL free agency. So it's kind of exactly what I expected, in, in all honesty, um, of your response, meaning they want to just draw up interest and have everyone talk about the NFL and not spring training and not in the NBA. And all eyes are on the NFL. And I get that. And that's fine. But if you made it legal, legal, the same thing would happen. We'd all be sitting here talking about the NFL. What's well, we, different? Like, you who know, cares? It, it, it's like a lot of things in this country. Like, you know, I was always surprised when I found out, and, 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 and I, I, I have a lot of compassion for illegal immigrants because they believe they're here because we want them here. But we talked about a, that it, se- it seems r- ironic that you can get a driver's license as an illegal immigrant. You know? so, so, so if you're illegal, you should think you're illegal. But, you know, you're not illegal. So, so it's kind of like I, I, I don't know how lawyers figure this stuff out. It, it, it's really, really kind of, uh, kind of ironic. Yes. So let's go to nuts and bolts. If yeah, you're the Giants, yeah. are you bringing Eli back? Yeah. I am at this point. I'm I'm doing the Gettleman plan. Like, it's the other thing. I hate, so then, by the way. are you? This is, this is the other so thing then, are you drafting that. a defensive lineman in the in the first round? No, I'm drafting a quarterback in the first round. So you're going to hedge your bet. I'm going to hedge my bet. I'm going to do what Gettleman said, which is annoying that he said this out loud. But yeah, I mean, they should have drafted one last year, and there are four of them went in the top ten. Would you I, trade I for Rosen? Yes. Oh, that'd be my, that'd be the top option on the board. Trade for Rosen. That'd be my number one option as a Giants fan. If I traded for Rosen, I'd say bye bye to Eli. I don't mind keeping Eli. Like, fine. You know, you you know what? Here's the problem. You don't have enough players with the salary cap. Yeah. See, this is this is this is what the Patriots understand, 
and I brought up Oakland in, in the same thing, and this is the problem that the Giants are going to have. You don't win having necessarily the best, best players. You win by having the best team that you can get under the salary cap. Okay, mm-hmm. The reason young quarterbacks have become so advantageous sure. is so that you don't have to pay them $88 million for Nick Foles, and you can have more, more players. You know, Brady has never counted in the top 10 in the salary cap. New England allowed their starting left tackle and their best pass rusher yep. to walk out the door. Why? Because it's not that they're not good players. Mm-hmm. It's because they're not worth that, that percentage Absolutely. of their salary cap. Absolutely. You know, when you say they're not worth that money, I disagree with you. You're worth whatever anybody's going to pay you when I, to do that. But they're not worth... You know, they decided that that Trey Flowers is not worth six percent of their salary cap. Correct. That's the decision that they made. Yes. He's twenty five years old, best years in front of him. He's not worth that percentage of the salary cap. We need to put three people in place. We talked about their offensive line when we went through the numbers last year. They didn't have their highest paid offensive lineman last year, I believe against the cap was the right guard at somewhere between 6 to $8 million. Yep. They do not believe that their left tackle, okay, especially with Wynn coming back from an injury, but that's a strange injury to have as a young kid. Usually Achilles tendon injuries are wear and tear unless somebody really stepped on you, you know, type of deal. But they have Wynn coming back, and they're going to slide Wynn right into the left tackle position. They do not believe. So $15 million is roughly... You know, four percent of your salary cap. Absolutely right. You're you're you're, you're absolutely right. They're not worth it. They're not not wor- worth the cap. Not worth the percentage of the cap. And that's what right. people ha- and that's what fans have to begin to ask themselves. So when you ask me about Eli Manning, my problem with Eli Manning at twenty-one million dollars is that is roughly twelve to thirteen percent of my salary cap. With 12 to 13% of my salary cap, you have to make my other players better. You're right. I get it. I'm with you on this Dave Gettleman, Eli Manning thing. I get it. He doesn't. He's the GM, and we're just talking. And and, and you talk about that. Like, look at the Redskins now, the amount of money they have in their defensive backs. Landon Collins, Josh Norman, both cut, of course, by Dave Gettleman himself. Yeah, Josh Norman tweeted something I about that. that. I saw that. He t- tweeted something about that. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me, um, let me move on a bit to another. By the way, let's go one more step. Jets, what are they going to do? Levy and Bell? Well, the Jets have signed Jameson Crowder thus far. The That's fi- a good signing for I them. agree with you. I That's agree with you. That's a very good signing 17 mil guaranteed is the number that I think I saw, by the way. For how many years? Uh, three. Let me... Let me just. I want James to and Crow, uh, James Twenty-eight and a half million, seventeen guaranteed over three years. That's that's fine. He's a good slot. I as agree. long as he's healthy, he helps that team. I agree. And, and you know, I think that's a very, very reasonable signing. Uh, he is a pain in the butt to cover. He is a good slot receiver. Um, you know, uh, he, you know, I I think he's got a higher upside than Cole Beasley, but sure, I think I Cole. Agree with Be- you. I, you know, what I like about Cole Beasley is he shows up every single week. 
Yes, he does. Cr- crowd uh, crowd has emissions, has a lot of your issues. Yeah. Well, we've talked a lot about um, the owners and, and, and spending money and whatnot. Here in New York, the big story is, yeah, NFL free agency, no doubt about it. But James Dolan as well. We've talked about James Dolan on our show before, and he spends money. He, you know what, checkbook, he, he's never shy about that. But he has a stigma around him that he's this, uh, a truly terrible, terrible, terrible owner and person and whatnot. And he made waves yesterday when someone shouted at him, sell the team, kicked him out, and said, you're banned for life. He's got very thick skin, it seems James Dolan has. What do you think about that story, Doc? Go through more? Tell, tell me more. That's the story. So basically, he was sitting courtside. Knicks were losing again. He walked back through the tunnel, and an audience member, a fan, said, sell the team. And he said, well, what'd you say to me? And he goes, sell the team. He's like, have fun watching at home. You're banned from our stadium. And told the security to kick him out. James Dolan is a perpetual rich kid's child. Correct. Okay. You know, he, you know, he, he's an annoying person. Um, you know, like anybody else, he's done some good things, like the Lust Garden Foundation, Lenny Lust Garden, Garden Hope for Charities. Um, but deep down, he's a bore. He's a bore. He's a bully, mm-hmm. and. He, you know, he is someone who, if he wasn't born in a silver spoon, and yes, I understand, you, you know, he, he, he's not that dissimilar to somebody that lives in Washington, D.C. right now, to be perfectly honest, in my book. Sure. Although the person who lives in Washington, D.C. does not have the drug addiction issues that Dolan has. No, not that we know of, anyway. Um, I'd actually say that pretty conclusively. But that is exactly, you know, bullish behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, they took their father's money and made more money. But if you actually look at that, you have to put that into perspective. Because if you were rich during the Reagan years, if you just did absolutely nothing but kept up with the Joneses, sure. you are filthy rich today. You know, if you were upper middle class, you went from rich from the Reagan years. So some of it is when you had these assets, yes, the garden is worth a ton of money and, and things like that. But he is just, you know, he is no one who would have gotten where he's gotten in a true meritocracy. Yeah, he's a putz. <laughs> he's a putz. And, you know, but on the other hand, I find it hard, and I know it's the popular story that it's because of Dolan that the Knicks haven't won. Mm -hmm. And I guess you can draw that back to the Carmelo Anthony trade. Mm -hmm. But right now, I think he's, you know, he's been hands off with Glenn Sather and the Rangers. Mm -hmm. You know, Glenn Sather has been there for 100 years. Mm -hmm. You know, now now Gordon is there. So I think that he is letting... Terry and Steve Mills run the show. Um, I don't necessarily know that Steve Mills is the right guy, um, but he, I think he has become hands-off. And the question, I, I think the question that you're asking is, do people like Durant not come here because they don't want to be associated with this idiot? And I think it's a very fair question. I think the fact is you're right. In recent years, he's been hand-off. He says, listen, you wanted Phil Jackson. I gave you Phil Jackson. I, I didn't do anything. It's not my fault he sucked. 
You wanted Phil Jackson gone? Phil Jackson's gone. You had two new guys. It's not my fault Christoph Porzingis wanted out of here. I had nothing to do with it. Now, whether that's true or not, whether he's doing everything he can as an owner, I'm not sure. But the way he consistently handled people that have criticized him shows exactly what you're speaking of. Jeff Van Gundy goes on TV and criticizes the Knicks a lot. He's never received the hometown welcome. Charles Oakley, obviously, famously, spoke out against the Knicks in the Garden. He was kicked out and accused of being an alcoholic, which James Dolan certainly uh, shouldn't be the one doing. Well, J- LeBron James has said, I'm never, I'm never playing this, there for Phil Jackson or for that man, James Dolan. Will Durant and Kyrie and all the other players think differently? Maybe. Maybe New York's a big enough brand. But I will never understand. Like, if it was me and the owner... And someone chanted, my, my team stunk. It was the worst team in the NBA. And someone in my building said, sell the team, you suck. Not that he said you suck, but if they said that, you know, sell the team, you suck. My response would have been... Just keep walking. Number one, I would have kept walking. And number two, I would have released a statement saying, I feel your pain. All I want to do is win. I will do everything I can to win. We're in this together. And I thank the great fans of New York City that continue to show up despite my absurdly high prices. I think you just keep, honestly, you, 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 you keep walking because... I don't think people ever really hear that, but they you you, you make it an it, you make it an issue. You come off as a bully. James Dolan comes off as a bully. This is no different than when you were kids. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. Right. Okay. What owners should realize in sports, I don't think Dolan has the the abstract thought process understand this and you know even if you look at Oakley's things he was saying because he acted this way this is what I saw in seven steps he has to be an alcoholic he's he is not a very very bright when you listen to him he is not capable of 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 you know of abstract thought but owners have to realize it's different than owning your own car which is for your own use. Sure. And even with a car, you have to follow the public's road. What you really own when you own a team is you own a license, and your viewpoint should be that the town owns the team. Even if it's not true on paper, that should be your philosophy, that this is everybody's team, because it's New York that makes the Knicks, of course. not the Dolan family. Absolutely right. Okay. Absolutely and, and right. So, so the first thing you understand is is that you, you, you know it's it's that you know certain things have to be about you know the patients, or certain things have to be about the customers, or certain you know great CEOs understand how to please their share shareholders. They have to look at the town of New York as being the shareholders, the group owners of the franchise that's called the Knicks, and as you as the owner are the carekeeper. You're the carekeeper of the, the tradition. It's not your ball. It's not your car. It's not your house. You're the caretaker of the, the value of the franchise is what all of us in New York give it. Absolutely. And, and I don't think he has got the capability or the intellectual ability to think past that 
as opposed to I have the title, therefore it is mine. Totally, totally agree with that. Of course, this is Doc Jock. That's Mitchell Roslin. I'm Greg Sussman. I want to get away from New York for a moment. I wanted to head to, head to Philadelphia, where Bryce Harper finally did ultimately sign with Philadelphia Phillies. 13 years, $350 million, about 25 or so million dollars a year. Not all that much different from the uh, per-year guarantee that Alex Rodriguez got, and that was quite a long time ago. Now, Bryce Harper does not have an opt-out clause, and he spun it very beautifully, saying, I want to commit somewhere long-term as long as they would commit to me. No trade clause, of course, for Bryce Harper in that deal. Doc, I'll throw this to you. How did you think he did? Oh, I think he did really, really well. I mean, I really think, you know, it, it's, you, you'd have to be a moronic baseball person to think that you're really signing somebody for 13 years. So the idea of the 13-year contract was just to say, you probably honestly believed he's 26 years old. So you honestly believe that you're signing him to eight to 10 years. And the years on the back end are just really like deferred. It's like the Mets Bobby Bonilla payments. You know, they're just, right. they, they're just, they're just, they're just deferred. They're just deferred money. I think that though, you, you know, again, we played the drill where we said, where are you now in 2010? I think that so many things can happen there. That from a business standpoint, I don't think that I'd ever sign those contracts. But I think that John Middleton has decided that, you know what, we are going to make Philadelphia a destination team. And we were going to make a statement. And he was bent on doing it. And, you know, there may be such an upside with revenue coming in that being relevant makes sense. What I, I've made this point about other teams that... You look at, you know, two market teams. You look, you look at the, the, the Mets and the Yankees. You know, a lot of people think that the Yankees are worth more because of the 27 World Series. But you know what? When I was young, New York was a National League town. The Giants and the Dodgers were dominant. The Mets used to outdraw the Yankees right up until the end of the Seaver years. And then, they, you know, then Steinbrenner came in. The Yankees were sold for basically nothing to see from, by when CBS owned the Yankees. Gabe Paul, Yankees were people who were saying that they never go to people never go to a stadium in the Bronx. You're looking at me like the Dundalk's expression. No, I. The Yankees were sold for several hundred thousand dollars. Nothing. Gabe Paul back then. Nothing. People said the Bronx is dead. The Bronx is burning. Yes. You know, you, you, no one wanted to go to the Bronx. I mean, you look what the Cowboys sold for, right? To Jerry Jones and what brand that has become. So, it it it, it it's you look at. How, how perceptions changed in, from, from my time to your time when New York is a National League city to now the Mets are a second-rate franchise in a first-rate city. Right. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. I give John Middleton credit, uh, unlike James Dolan, right, going out, closing the deal, bringing his wife and making Bryce Harper feel at home. Not only did he spend the stupid money that he promised his city – and his team that he would, he made sure it happened. He closed the deal. James Dolan spends plenty of stupid money. That's not the issue. It's being able to close the deal. And John Middleton made that happen. They spent a lot of money this offseason improving both their hitters and their relief pitchers. They you know, need some starters, but hey, they're trying. And I think it's all you ask for. So I really always liked Bryce Harper a lot better than Manny Machado. And I know that people talk about that 2015 was his really great year, and since then, 
you know, he's, his wins over replacement has been barely one out of two. But, you know, I actually think he's going to pop, with the time in the Phillies, two or three of those type of I-carry-a-team years. I don't think Manny Machado can ever pop a year like that. That's the difference between those two players. Okay. And that's reasonable. Um, but you can make the case that Manny is the better player on a, on a year-to-year basis, I think. He's more consistent. What, what place has Baltimore finished every year? I, that's not true that they finished in last. They made the playoffs for a couple of years. Yeah, they did. But one of the years he made the playoffs was the year he got his, his knee was injured. Okay. You know, the, the beginning of the Buck Walter years. I just don't think Manny well, Machado, I, I think Bryce Harper is one of the few players in the team that can carry a team for, you know, it, 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 I've always made this comment. It's hard to explain in baseball, okay? Locally, the Mets have been a different team when Cespedes plays and Cespedes yes. doesn't play. Yes. Okay? And it's not because of his numbers. So there's something about game-changing players, okay? And, and Cano is a much better hitter than Cespedes will ever be. Sure. But I'm not sure that he can change the game like, like Cespedes. Bryce Harper is one of those game-changing players, especially when he gets on his streak. Like last year was a bad year. Okay? I don't, you know, and this is one of the problems that the Yankees have. The Yankees have, you know, maybe Judge will become. The Yankees don't have the player that I think can hit good pitching. I always thought that Bryce Harper, when he, when he locks in, he's a tough out with the game on the line. And, and you know, I think that he's can, he can wreck a season. Uh, you know, like I said, I think he'll wreck two. You know, I don't think he's going to wreck every season. You know, but I think he's going to wreck two or three seasons in that contract. We'll see. Obviously, we'll see. Manny gets the $300 million, gets the opt-out, uh, a very different contract. Who'd you rather, whose contract would you rather have? From both the owner's perspective I, I and I mean, the from the owner's perspective, I'd rather have Bryce Harper's right. contract. I mean, Machado, you know, you know, may put it in his three years. If, if he's actually as good as stated, he, he, he opts out and tries and, and sees where the money is and, and gets more money. Excuse me, but right. I think, you know, Bryce Harper at least is committed to that team, and, you know, now he's trying to recruit Mike Trout. Tampering, of course, but good for them. That's fun. Like, I like it. I'm in on it. You know, listen, the other thing is Bryce Harper has some personality. Baseball's lacking a lot of personality. You, you know, you, you know it, I, the, the most famous baseball player in the world is still Derek Jeter. I wonder. I oh, now maybe A Rod because he got engaged to maybe to J Lo last it's, night. But, but it's two of them, right? Like I've gone around. I've done this before. I went around to random people in the restaurant that we're, we're at. Random people in the lobby upstairs. I go name name your favorite baseball player. Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez. To this day, name a baseball player. Hey. I just say name a baseball player. It's Derek Jeter and Alex. Rodriguez. I mean, you know, Major League Baseball should be like have Aaron Judge on every single goddamn thing in in the world because most people, you know. The kid Hicks that throws the 103 mile an hour fastball. Jordan Hicks. Fastball. No one knows his name. Sure. No one knows who he is. You know, you know, Jose Altuve. No one knows who he is. You know, you can go down the list. Sure. And you know, baseball's got a huge problem. You know, kids don't walk around wearing baseball jerseys. Not at all. It's a huge, huge problem. I think Bryce Harper is one of those guys that can be transcendent, that can be the face of the game, that people will know, I think. 
Yeah, he, he's, he's one of the few. I mean, you know, football doesn't even have that many. Beckham's one of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Football has, I mean, football has the helmet, right? It, it has so, the that, barriers. That's, that's why it makes the NBA so, so it popular. It has the barriers, and football has the quarterbacks. You know, yes. Brady, Rodgers. Rodgers. Uh-huh. But, but if you take away the quarterbacks, yeah. I, I mean, I think that Beckham is, is probably the number one name. Probably so. I would say so. He's got the, you know, the New York thing still a thing. The hair, the attitude. Yeah. Yeah, he's marketed himself very, very well. Very smartly. Very, very smartly. Um, let me move on to college basketball. Because the, the tournament. The Hawkeyes are really having a tough run. Yeah, go on. <laughs> we, uh, conference tournament week is here. We've already had uh, Murray State get in, which is great for the game. John Morant gets into uh, the tournament, which is fantastic. Everyone's comparing him to Damian Lillard. See, that's an obvious comparison, right? Because small school, uh, stylish point guard, the whole deal. Um, I don't think he shoots it as well. Probably not, but maybe when he gets to the NBA, he will. That's okay. Um, tonight, Iona and Mammoth face off for the for the MAC championship. Two teams that started the season like zero and twelve and two and ten inside their conference. Now in the finals, Tim Clues was once again a fantastic job uh, at uh, at Iona. And then the big school, the big conferences will start uh, mostly tomorrow, uh, which is very, very exciting. Wednesday as well. Yeah, um, you, you know, they, and they have the, the buys and, and, yeah, and stuff like that. And great week. Great, great week, though, uh, for college basketball. And then, of course, the tournament starts next week. I love the NCAA tournament. Oh, I, think, I think, honestly, the best day in sports is Thursday, uh, uh, Thursday, Friday of the NCAA the tournament, especially when you, you, can, you, know, you can watch those. You know, now they changed the regions, but it used to be when you could watch when teams went more to their region. Like now, now the West region could be in Poughkeepsie. You know? Sure, it's 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 really it's it's really it's really really crazy. But you know, again, I think you have a lot of balance in in college basketball, and there really is not like first of all, I do not believe Gonzaga is the best team in the country. Okay, at number one. Okay, so is that because you haven't watched Gonzaga enough? Uh, I've seen Gonzaga two or three times, and I I think they're you know, I think that, you, you know, again, if, if they played a Big Ten schedule, they'd have seven or eight losses. Okay. You know, I, I think that you realize that they're, they're, they're a major conference team playing in a minor conference. So by the end of the year, so they have three losses, and everybody puts them ahead of a Duke that has four or five losses and a North Carolina that has four or five losses. But, you know, you see, here, here's the difference when – Michigan plays Iowa or Michigan plays Maryland, they, they lose that game on, on the other team's home court a, at least a few times. <laughs> you know, at least a few times. When, you know, who's the team in that conference that's going to beat Gonzaga right. in conference play? Sure. So that means that John, Gonzaga picks up 18 wins. Mm-hmm. Now going into their, their, going into their conference, conference schedule, you know, they're 9-2. You know, so now, now they're they're twenty seven, and they you know so they have one heat cup in the season, and they're twenty seven and four. I think that if they were playing you know a Big Ten or an ACC schedule, they'd have six, seven or eight losses. Um, to be perfectly honest, um, Duke can't really shoot it consistently, and they really miss Zion Williamson. Um, there's there's not a non flawed team in the tournament. There's no team in this year's tournament that can't lose in the first weekend. You know, and I, I, I think that what you're going to see, though, 
is interesting. I think you see less teams coming from the smaller conferences all the way to the end. But I think you're going to see more teams from the big conference. You know, it, it doesn't surprise me when a Syracuse goes from the ACC or, you know, or a Michigan gets hot from the Big Ten and goes all the way to the final game. And argumentatively, they were not the best team in the Big Ten last year. Best team in the Big Ten is probably Michigan State, but they're flawed. They're very flawed as sure. well. Yeah, the Big Ten up and down. Very strong conference this year. Um, really, every game was good. I, we both obviously watched a lot of Big Ten basketball. Really strong year. But to, top to bottom, it's good. But at the top, it's really not elite. This is not a great Michigan State team. No, it's not a great not, Michigan team. It's not team. a great Michigan team. It's. It, it, it's certainly not a great Ohio State team. It's not a great Wisconsin team. Not a great Maryland or Iowa team. But on any night, any of those teams can play with anybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. And I think it's the same thing in the ACC. ACC, I don't know if so I agree The top, with that. I think, is a little stronger in Correct. the ACC. Correct. The bottom may be a little bit weak. Correct. Exactly. I, I agree with that. But, you know, you saw Louisville, who, you know, has had a pedestrian year, you know, play right with Duke when Duke was actually playing, playing well. Um, you know, it's a down year for Kansas. Mm-hmm. It's a down year for Kansas. Kansas State. You know, a, a, a lot of people think that that Iowa State can, if Iowa State's healthy, they can play an A game and beat everybody. It's one of the teams that you hear a lot about that that people talk about has a lot of talent as Iowa State. You know, in in going into the tournament, that they have the talent to play with anybody in the country. I think that what makes the tournament so fun in general, Doc, is that a team like Iowa, using them as an example, could go. You face the teams in the ACC and the SEC and the Big Twelve and whatnot, and you find out who's who's truly the best. I think that, like, in a down year for Kansas, Kansas could very well go to the national championship game this year. Texas Tech with a, a fantastic, fantastic year under Chris Beard, winning the Big 12. You get bounced in the first round by Murray State. And I think that's what makes this entire thing. Oh, we have incredible so talent. We have inc- and the refs won't be biased. The refs will not be biased because they. <laughs> we, I mean, I think that's a big issue. In, in, We've in, talked in, about it, yeah. Because the refs now report to the NCAA. That's right. So, so they, they are working for one boss being reviewed as opposed to being independent contractors. Um, you know, they're, they're now in the NCAA tournament and, you know, where every game is televised. You know, and I think there's a lot of reasons why this is going on. And what, what I was going to say is sure, I, I don't think you're going to see Cinderella as much from the small conferences. And I think the reason is, is that the bigger conferences are now having more senior players. You know, the, the, the one-and-dones are really a Duke and Kentucky mm-hmm. type thing and mm-hmm. exceptions across the, the world. No doubt. So I think the recruiting, there was an imbalance between that where everyone was looking for stars, and, and, and you had the Cinderella's having more tournament experience going against the biggest schools. That's kind of sorted itself out to some degree. We haven't had, like, a small conference team. I guess Nevada went the furthest last year. But we haven't had a real small conference team in the Final Four in a very, very long time. Does Gonzaga count? 
Gonzaga's big time. Gonzaga, okay. Gonzaga's having a small confidence team. Yeah, but Gonzaga's now, you know, the, Mark Few's being paid as high as any coach in the country right now. He's sure. stayed. Okay. Gonzaga's had lottery picks. Sabonis, Zach well, Collins. Well, Loyola Chicago last year definitely counts. Yeah, Loyola definitely counts. Yeah, yeah. That, that was true Cinderella. Sure. That's a, that's a true, true, mm-hmm. true, true Cinderella. Yeah. You know, I, I, but anybody can beat anybody in this tournament. This is what makes it so fun. What are you What are you watching conference tournament for? What, what are you What are you watching for this week? You know, I'd like to see Zion Williamson come back. Yep. I, I mean, I I think that you you know he's wonderful because he gets me to watch him. Okay, so I, I mean, maybe it's the buzz that everybody created, but I, I watched more Duke games this year than I had. In, in every year, I watched Murray State play because everybody was, talk, was talking about John Morant, and then I obviously have a rooting interest in in, in, the, in the Big Ten. I think that the Big Ten tournament, you know, again, anybody can beat anybody in that tournament. Anybody can be bounced in in in, in the. That's very, why I really wanted a double buy and did not get it. it, it you know, in that 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 thing is 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 amazing. I always like watching. Um, you know, Syracuse at the end of the year, like I, I've said that, I, you know, I've never thought that Beheim doesn't cheat, in, you know, when we talk about that, but I, mm-hmm. I, I respect him a lot as a basketball coach. I also, you know, really feel bad for what happened to him a few weeks ago, and I obviously feel bad for the family of the person that he hit, but, I mean, I thought he was put in a terrible situation when, you know, somebody jumps on a road. It's, it's very hard to do anything, and it's something that's very hard to live with for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Syracuse, he, he, you know, you, you know, it's the interesting thing about Syracuse every year is that everybody says that everyone's going to have trouble playing against their zone defense. Then you wonder why other people play more zone defense, and the, you know, the reason they give is they're concerned about the three pointer. And you know, Bayheim recruits very long players to try to take that away. Okay, but why does it work better in the tournament than it does in the regular season? I don't know. I'll, I, great question to ask Fran McCaffrey. <laughs> <laughs> And I won't let him curse in the answer. You, you can let him curse. You can certainly let him curse. Doc, you got anything else for us tonight? Well, I think you got to finish with the Lakers. Sure. Okay. I, I, number one, you get some right, Kyler Murray. You get some wrong. I never thought the Lakers would not make the playoffs with LeBron. I always believe that LeBron and any 10 players. Now, you know, it was interesting. Uh, yesterday I was listening to Colin Cowherd talk, and he said that he felt that um, LeBron – kind of got taken up in the whole Hollywood scene. Is that Colin Coward trying to make stuff up, or do you believe it? No, I, I mean, I, I, really, I really think he got hurt. Okay. You know, I think they were, you know, fourth in the West, Christmas Day, and, you know, then he misses a large part of the season. I also think that the Brandon Ingram injury, Huge. you know, is a lot more worrisome you know, again, the is a medical standpoint. The question is, is why does he have a blood clot in his arm? If it's traumatic, you know, then that's fine because usually blood clots in your arm, we see them when they're secondary to IV catheters, secondary to infection. Yeah. You know, so that's a really, really strange thing to happen without some reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's something to bear watch. You know, it's kind of like he's out for the rest of the season and we haven't heard another word. Um but I, I find that whole situation really, 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 really interesting. And, you know, the Lakers are in bad shape right now. The Lakers, 
No, that's not true. Forget this season. It's okay. over, right? Well, what, so what does next season look like? Anthony Davis is going to get traded. Okay. Very well could be them. They need people who can shoot the ball. Yeah. We knew that coming. We knew that in October. Right. And they didn't. They didn't surround LeBron with shooters. It never made sense to any of us. Right. And, and, and stuff. But I think LeBron will come back in a vengeance. But I, I'm really surprised. You know, people will say that it's, it's because the West is so tough. No. And they were fourth before he got hurt, as you mentioned. Uh, they were, I think this team, this team was not built well together to me. The West is tough, and sure. Then, and then they felt, well, what's interesting is, I was thinking about that. If you had to rank the teams, okay, we were all taking Golden State first. Who do you take as your second choice? I'll take the, does that have to be the West? No, it could be anybody. I'll take the Bucks. Okay, see, see I think that you can make a strong argument for the Bucks. Boston or Toronto. Sure. So how can the East Philly be too, so probably. weak? You know, I, 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 and, and now, and then I say to myself, well, maybe it's because, you know, I, I get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go, go to work, so I don't see too much of the Joker in Denver play basketball. Mm-hmm. I see way more of the East Coast players than I see Denver. Maybe I'm underrating Denver. Maybe, you know, but we don't Houston's believe the hot, Houston's the hottest team in the NBA. Well, you know what? I watched Portland play, you know, when they came east and beat everybody. Yeah. And I thought they looked great. You know, they lost the game against Toronto. I thought Portland looked really, really, really good. I mean, ag- again, no one always looks good. No one wants to believe in them after they lost to New Orleans last year. You know, but, you know, New Orleans had. That was a tough playoff team with Davis, Drew Holiday, and Rondo that just hit their stride right at the right moment. Or maybe Portland can't play in the playoffs. I mean, I guess we'll see. I thought Portland looked really, really, really good when they came east. But I, I, I honestly agree with you that I, I think that Toronto or the Bucks or Boston sure. are the second-best team in the NBA. So the east is not as weak as it used to be. It's not weak at all. And even against the Western Conference, these teams play very well. It's not like they just struggle against the West and only beat up on each other. That's I think not it's true. Become, like, I think that it's like everything else. It's been true for a number of years. And people who are not objective think it's still true. But I think it's changing fast. And especially if Durant leaves the Warriors, then I think you actually have balance between the two. Sure. Now, what I will say is the bottom of bottom the East. Bottom is, much, is the, much stronger than the West. The bottom, you know, Sacramento is way better than, than the Nets. Well, the Nets are in the playoffs and Sacramento's not. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question about that. That the bottom half of the of the Western Conference, um, the playoff seat, playoff bracket, and then like ten to thirteen is way better than six and down from the East. Like that. And you know the most incredible team this year, I think, is the Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah, I mean it's very impressive what they've done. Very, very impressive what they've done. Where they kind of sold off, they set themselves up for the future, they've cleaned up their cap, and they're still in the playoffs as of now, which I think is very, very impressive. And it, it also says that the Knicks should have kept the local Alinari. Many it. years ago. And Many this years all goes, ago. This all goes back to James it, Dolan. It all goes back to James Dolan. If they would have kept Alinari and have Anthony. But, you know, so, so what seems good today isn't necessarily good for the future. You got it. There you go. That is Dr. Mitchell Roslin. I am Greg Sussman. This has been another fantastically quick and fun edition of Doc Jock. We mow it all down. Next Monday, when we return, 
It's tourney time. The tourney will be here. We'll break down the bracket. We'll give you our picks and our favorites, and we'll let you know where to lay a little cash and, and down. And we'll be able to watch the play-in games. That's right. Next Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday, Wednesday. That's right. Yeah. For Dr. Mitchell, Ros Mitchell Roslin, I'm Greg Sussman. Make sure you listen to us on demand. See you next week. Bye-bye, everybody.